The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Hello, Internet. Roto World's Josh Nurse here with another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. We are just cranking them out ahead of the NFL Combine. Um, can't say it enough if you missed our episode with Matthew Harmon, if you missed our episode with Graham Barfield, if you missed our recent episode with that guy, Evan Silva, you should check all of them out, um, especially the ones with Harmon and Barfield. Nothing wrong with Evan, you know. You just, you've heard from Evan before. Um, but obviously, Graham does great work with running backs in terms of yards created. And Matt Harmon does great work with the reception perception of wide receivers. Um, we had an 18 prospects between the two podcasts. Um, and as you can hear, a train is passing by. But that's what happens when you know we're recording these on a Friday evening with nothing else to do. Um, with that said, I know that the guy on the other end of the line is doing the same thing on Friday evenings and Saturdays and Sundays. Because it's ahead of the launch of this year's version of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. Um, you know him from the Film Room Sessions on YouTube, the Boiler Room Sessions on YouTube, which you, sh- you should check out. Um, and really, there's no one better, in my opinion, at like weaving together personal experiences, um, comparing things that like no one else would be able to, um, making sense of this whole weird sport that we call football and, and putting it in perspective. Um, and he has certainly some life experiences that he likes to share along the way, which we all appreciate, and something I can't do. Uh, it's Matt Waldman. Mr. Waldman, how are you tonight? I'm doing well. It's nice to hear a train. I grew up near train, so, you know, it's kind of like the old Blues Brothers movie where they where Elwood's next to the L on the sh- in Chicago. You know, I just hope my uh, house doesn't come crashing down next to the L. But <laughs> it's, it's all I can afford up here in Connecticut. Let's put it that way. Um, Matt, when is the rookie scouting portfolio set to hit digital shelves? Yeah, it's set to hit April 1st. This will be the 12th year that it will be available on that date. And, uh, everything's going along pretty smoothly so far. Yep. And I always talk about it. Like I, I don't write scouting reports because Matt does. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm kidding, but partially. But yeah, no, I mean, it's it's absolutely as thorough as you can get. And I mean, all fantasy players know about Matt's work because, I mean, just recently, a guy like Spencer Ware was absolutely one of his favorites and cast off for multiple teams. And now we know Spencer Ware of, um, as as you know, a, a fantasy contributor, but if Matt was was there early on. And I know that Matt loves to give it up for the prospects and the players, and it's it's all they're doing. But it takes an eye to, to find those types of talents and 
and Matt certainly does it. And today, Matt, I actually want to talk about quarterbacks. Um, since we've done a wide receiver podcast, done a running back podcast, done a tight end podcast, I want to come with you with these running with these quarterbacks. And and obviously, it's an interesting position group this year. Um, and rather than ask you for your rankings, I don't want to do that because people should buy the RSP to find those out. I, I wanted just to kind of go through each prospect, and I will act as a traditional NFL decision maker and maybe ask some very generic questions. It'll be a tough gig for me to try that, Matt, but I'm going to do my best. Um, and I hey, want to. Hey, I think I think you're going to handle it fine, and we'll, <laughs> I don't we'll know. see if you don't you see if you don't can me by the end of this episode. <laughs> I don't know if that's an insult or a compliment. Um, so let's start with with someone generating a lot of buzz recently, and that's Patrick Mahomes, obviously from Texas Tech. Um, I think the easy question is this: um, NFL teams, me, we like easy comparisons. We like to find success stories at the position in terms of the style of prospect that's coming up. I don't think that there is one with Patrick Mahomes, a, a, a current successful NFL quarterback with his style. Um, how would you um, kind of explain his game and how it might work or how it might not in the NFL? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. It's, a, it's an important one to ask because certainly, you know, in someone who would be in your position, you're looking for that replicable success. And you're looking also if you're going to draft somebody at a high position, you want to be able to justify that that pick is a safe, good pick. And now I would say that Mahomes is a good pick, but he's not a safe pick. Mm -hmm. And that's what's probably going to be the, the sticking point for for you or anyone who would be considering him. But you have to understand that when we look at players who excel, oftentimes ones who surprise or they just excel on a level that is above other players, they do things that are exceptional on the field. And exceptional players are difficult to stop because teams game plan. And we know that schemes are, are very much similar across the board with all the teams in the NFL. There's not much variation going on in the league. So when you have a player who can break the scheme with what they do, and they do it at a high level, but they can also make the safe plays, the traditional plays, then you're looking at guys like, oh, Drew Brees, mm -hmm. Michael Vick at the top of his game, Brett Favre at the top of his game, Cam Newton at the top of his game, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers exactly. and Ben Roethlisberger. So you're looking at guys who are creative, Russell Wilson. So when we talk about those guys, Patrick Mahomes fits in that vein because he's going to have to develop some with some of the more traditional things that you're looking at because he plays in that air raid offense. It means that your scheme may have to be simplified a little bit earlier on and add more and more to it if you're looking at him as a long-term build. Or you're going to have to understand it may take him a while to learn your West Coast-based system and all the jargon and verbiage that's used just the same way that people were mock-shocked about Jared Goff going mm -hmm. from Air Raid to West Coast and him not being ready yet. Well, Mahomes might not be ready yet in that vein. But what he does offer is tremendous mobility around the pocket and the skill to make throws that maybe even right now two or three guys in the league can make. Maybe. The, there's a lot of talk recently of, well, he's the type that you know should sit a year and figure it out and learn. And 
Is like sitting a year even a thing anymore? Should it be a thing? Because to me, it seems like with quarterbacks, if they've have if they have it, they have it. At least recently, right? These guys play maybe not right from the beginning, but they play early. And if they're quality starters, they learn through the mistakes. They learn firsthand. And just a quick note on this. Um, to me, I always kind of equate it to, I'm going to do my best Matt Waldman here. I try to equate it to what I do for a living, right? And I can tell you that I wouldn't have improved on camera or doing this if, you know, I just sat behind someone and watched them doing it. The way that I finally, and this is arguable for anyone out there that's seen me on camera, uh, finally learned how to um, improve and how to be in the moment was screwing up. It was taking that extra five or ten seconds that felt like five or ten minutes and and be in the moment and and understand that I had that that time to think on my feet rather than come with a predetermined speech or monologue, right? So if I'm equating that to the quarterback play, it's through the highs and lows, quarterbacks will learn if they're good and if, if they're quality starters. But all we're hearing of Patrick Mahomes is, well, if you sit him for a year, maybe then he'll learn those traditional elements. Yeah, and that's a, it's a great point, and I think that the one that you make is, is a very strong one. And I'm, I'm going to add to it and maybe use it as a counterpoint as well, which is, you know, at the same time, you learned on camera and you learned to make mistakes. You know, you made mistakes and you learned that way, getting that experience. But maybe the dynamic's a little different because the first, the first few mistakes that you may have made, they didn't suddenly say, we don't think he has a future at Roto World. Oh, that's a great um, point. You know, and... Well, and maybe not just, everyone said we, that. I'm sure a few people that watched it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's the, that's the tough part about this gig is that, you know, we, we're looking at this position as the most complex position in sport, and we're talking about all the different layers of leadership, technique, athletic ability on script, off script, understanding of the game and how to put it all together without thinking about it. It's like learning a new language for a lot of these guys. And if you... So it's like if I was on camera talking in French rather than in English. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And you're trying to talk in French. Right. It's something like you're saying, Matt, that playing quarterback is more complicated than sitting in front of a desk and and talking in front of a camera. How dare you? It it might very well be. (laughs) It might, you know. So... (laughs) It's one of those deals where that, you know, as, as, as we all know, as, as witty and as intelligent and as perceptive as Josh Norris is on camera, you, you know, we understand that if he had to do it in French and he was, and had to do it his first year in French and someone and his, and his co-host is talking in French and they ask him a quick penetrating question with a number of layers to it in French, he might be overthinking it a little Probably. bit. And all those qualities of, that Josh has might not appear to be the case. And all these people in France who are listening to him are going, wow, what a buffoon. This guy is a complete <laughs> idiot. Does he even, I mean, he's so slow, he didn't even get a basic joke when it's all because he's learning French right now. And I think that that's, that to me, I looked at it this way. If Drew Brees gives Marty Schottenheimer the credit for being developed, not Sean Payton, and the reason was is that he got benched repeatedly and that Schottenheimer was able to handle it by saying, look, I'm benching you in this game, not because you're not my guy. You are my guy. And if we get back into this game, you're going in at the end to help us win this game. 
I just think you need to sit for a little bit and understand what you missed here. And I need you to watch the flow of the game and kind of calm down and start making, you know, and kind of calm down so that you don't continue to dig yourself into a hole. And that happened multiple times during his career. And mm-hmm. he's credited a coach for doing that. These days, they don't do that because you have owner-driven um, and GM-driven um, leadership that isn't in the hands of the coaches as much all the time. And the level of pressure yep. that's being put down from P- PR and perception drives a lot of these decisions that are hasty, especially with the rookie contracts being lower than what they were back in the heyday with Sam Bradford. Yep. You'd think they'd get a little more time, but they don't. Um, and yeah, people would be amazed out there at how uh, dysfunctional the relationships are with all the decision makers in a single organization. Um, I know we've already gone a little while on Patrick Mahomes. I have one more question, though, because I think it's important because he seems to be, you know, the apple of everyone's eye right now. Um, everyone wants to change Patrick Mahomes's technique, his his fundamentals, his base, you know, everything about his game right now. And, and turn him into a more traditional passer, it seems like. And I'm not saying you can't fix his mechanics or they, they shouldn't be fixed. Well, I kind of am saying the latter, honestly, because I think that his style is his identity, Matt. And I don't know how or why someone willing to and, and liking Mahomes as who he is already right now and thinking in their head, well, I'd like him even better you know, with his mechanics changed because we're, that's what we're going to do. To me, you know what you're drafting with a guy like Patrick Mahomes and you work around who he is right now rather than wanting to step in and change, you know, who he is as a passer, who he is mechanically, because we rarely, rarely see that from, from passers at the NFL level. I mean, the obvious example is Aaron Rodgers, but even, you know, the best and most tireless workers like a Tim Tebow or others say that it's going to happen. Their motion is going to be fixed. And it just, it just doesn't, it's, it's much easier said than actually done. Do you think that, Mahomes needs to overhaul his mechanics and be much more traditional in order to succeed in the NFL. No, and I'm glad that I'm glad that you talked asked me this question because I think absolutely not. Right. You don't want to take out of his game what's available, and that's where I was leading at with the first question, because you have to understand when when it comes to mechanics, you have to ask, does it hurt him? I mean, does it hurt him consistently? Does it prevent him from doing basic things? And I think the tape has proven pretty much beyond a shadow of a doubt that the answer is it does not. It may hurt him in certain specific instances where he would have the opportunity to clean up some of the things he's doing. There's a difference between overhauling his game and refining his game. And I would refine his game in areas where that's refinable. Some of the footwork things with setups where he has time to set up and be more patient, I would want him to do so that he can learn to be able to tie his feet to the routes because that's going to be something that he's going to have to do with most of the offensive systems. Fine. But his release mechanism, his ability to throw off balance, to be able to make some of these crazy throws that no one in the league right now can make, um, no, you don't change that. You let him do it. And you also live with the fact that this is a guy that probably his first two to three seasons may throw as many interceptions as he throws touchdowns mm-hmm. in um, for stretches of time. Um, but you also, if you are thinking long-term and you're thinking end game here, you get a guy that you build the offense around and you let him be this creative guy because one of the things that's being characterized about him is that, oh, Brett Favre, Johnny Manziel kind of player. Um, listen, 
the thing about Mahomes, if you really watch his tape, is that he throws the ball away a lot more than most of the quarterbacks that are actually in this class. Um, he makes some dumb throws. He does. But I would say the characterization of the throws that he makes that are unwise um, is far greater than the actual reality. Um, and the throws that he makes that are that he that are actually completed that are really good mm-hmm. you can if you really watch his tape i think you'll find someone who ha- who displays great pinpoint accuracy and anticipation and i don't think that's going to change a lot in the nfl he'll learn some of the boundaries he needs to make but he's not immature the way johnny manziel was immature right. on and off the field you know i think he's more matt stafford like if you ask me than he is johnny manziel like um, we got to move on to another passer, but I will say, obviously, Mahomes is a lot of fun, right? I mean, yes. that, that, that's really the word I use. He's entertaining. Um, and there was a stretch of games this year where he dealt with a shoulder injury. So if you you know watch two games, anyone out there that's listening to this, and it seems like his, his velocity, his accuracy is kind of drastically different, um, that could be one contributing reason why. Don't, don't um, watch. Don't watch West Virginia um, first. Watch about three games, then watch the West Virginia that, game. That, that's the one Otherwise, I was talking be, about. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on, and I'm going to try to, you know, now go back into my shell and go back into this character that I'm trying to play as the NFL. Um, Deshaun Watson up next. We all know that Deshaun Watson, what he did at Clemson over the last two years against Alabama. Um, Matt, when I watch Deshaun Watson, I see an fantastic offensive line that um, did not receive enough credit in terms of protecting him outside of maybe three to five to seven passes per game when he was actually pressured, when he was actually forced off his spot. And to me, Matt, I did not love his reactions in those results. Um, Sometimes he has a playmaker mentality, right, where he drops his eyes, likes to escape out of the pocket, and there's a lot of success there in the mold of maybe Tyrod, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton. But we've seen very few quarterbacks have sustained success with that style because we've seen a lot of failures with it as well. One, do you agree with me in those moments of pressure, of a confined space, or do you think he works better in it than I do? Or two, if not, can he still have success even with that kind of retreating trait that he sometimes have, or the playmaker mentality, if you want to put an optimistic spin on it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's an that's an interesting way of looking at it because I've certainly heard the criticism that he tends to try and find the back door in the pocket um, more often than he should, and I've seen that. But I've also seen I felt like I've seen enough of him maneuver in the pocket that I feel like um, it's not something that is going to be a trait that he can't um, give up. I think it's something that he's going to be able to handle. Um, and be able to mature and and make the right decisions in the pocket. But I agree with you that the line play was great. Um, I see him as a prospect who, who honestly, there there's nothing I look at as a major red flag about him at all. Um, he's a player that I do think is going to need time to develop because I'm more concerned about his accuracy okay. than I am about his pocket. I'm concerned about I'm concerned more about you know people compare him to Marcus Mariota. And I think that's the high-end comparison. Some people think he's better than that. but I think, I think that's nuts, but you know how I feel about Marcus. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, you know, it's funny, for all the talk we've had about Mariota and Winston and all of that, they were neck and neck and on my board. Actually, three players were neck and neck on my board that year. And I don't think there's but maybe two players in this class 
who are better than that that class from two years ago or on the same tier. And I think that Watson isn't one of them to me. I think Watson mm-hmm. is a good good prospect, but you know he's below Mariota in my eyes. I don't think he's as dangerous at, um, when he runs as Mariota is. Yeah, and I and I think his accuracy is closer to um, Jake Locker's at, at certain points. Though I think Jake Locker was far worse. I think Watson shows more accuracy. But there are plays that I look at and I go. That that's a makeable throw, and the fact that you can't hit these middle of the field throws in stride concerns me yeah. um, greatly. So he sees them; he just can't hit them. That, and I think, and maybe if if we can get on the same page here about one of the plays, like there was something against Louisville, was it either this year or last year when it was it wasn't necessarily an RPO, but it was um, with a run action fake. And I mean, it was a clear touchdown on a slant where the wide receiver got in front of his his opposition. And I mean, he had to throw with an off balance base, but the throw was so horrible that it turned into an interception. And to me, a major difference between Marcus and and Deshaun Watson are their ability to um, prevent turnovers or withhold turnovers in the red zone. Because I've seen Deshaun make some horrible decisions in goal-to-go situations, in red zone situations, and we know how Marcus has really held under the football in those scenarios in the NFL. Yes, I think that's absolutely that absolutely makes sense. And and to me, it's Watson. To me, is a guy that I would I would probably feel better about Mahomes starting earlier than Watson, wow. only in the sense. And that sounds really weird, but only in the sense that I think Mahomes actually because of what he does outside of structure so well, I think with the right team and a patient coach who has the right balance of being able to ride him, but at the same time do it in a constructive way, I think Mahomes may be a guy that would cause a lot of polarization about how he's doing, but the team would be behind him. And I think that you'd see the promise there. Whereas I think with Watson, I I honestly think that he's a little bit more fit-based at this point. And I think he is going to need a little bit more time because I think Clemson's offense is a very creative one, um, but maybe a bit of a limiting one in, in, in addition to, whereas with Mahomes, the biggest issue might be, can he remember the verbiage? <laughs> and <laughs> and um, if a coach is, you know, that's a bigger problem. And I was just overly negative with Watson, and I do think Deshaun Watson is talented, and I'm sure I'll get more yeah. into it later. But I just, you know, wanted to bring up talking points that we might or because Matt and I have actually never discussed these prospects, which I think is a fun aspect of this. Um, okay, back to my board uh, as an NFL team, Matt. Um, on my our board, our team's board, uh, D- Deshaun Kaiser is quarterback one. And – a lot of people might um, question that because of his 2016 and Notre Dame this season, I think went four and eight, something like that. Um, and it's because in our team's opinion, uh, 2015 Deshaun Kaiser is the best quarterback tape out there um, in this class. Uh, you saw him enter a lineup when he was 19 years old, not expecting to be the starter, come in, keep his eyes up in the face of a pass rush, move in confined space. Accuracy is not always there, Right. He'll short arm passes to the left and the right side, maybe from his baseball background, who knows. But in terms of when he is pressured and working in a distressed situation, um, we loved his patience and his poise and ability to keep his eyes up and find operable space and and hit receivers at multiple levels. How would you um, evaluate our evaluation in that case? I would say that it's a very good evaluation um, in terms of what you've mentioned in specifics because 
I think he's a field general. I think he has a real chance to become a good field general in the NFL. Um, and a lot of a lot of throws that people nitpick are some of the more difficult throws that you have to make from a standing position, like the laid out. I don't know a quarterback in this. I know maybe two or three quarterbacks in this class who consistently make the laid out as a, as a good, um, you know, an accurate throw on a consistent basis. Um, but some of the hard, harder throws that you wouldn't expect any quarterback to make Deshaun Kaiser makes on a, on a frequent basis. Um, so I look at his ability to withstand pressure and to make that throw. And I feel good about him in that regard. The, the concerns I have about him that are lingering and that may, may ultimately either define his success or failure as a good NFL starter, one mm-hmm. that teams and analysts aren't clamoring for his replacement um, at wherever he winds up or continues to go is his ability to process information and act on it as soon as he sees it. I was about to ask Um, you about this. Awesome. Yeah, because when you look at a player like Alex Smith downfield, sometimes the issue with Alex Smith is as smart as he is and as accurate as he can be, one of the reasons he's not always great downfield and has had that issue is that he sees the opening with the coverage or he anticipates where it's going to be. You can see that there's recognition of that the safety's on not covering the, the player he wants to target or that his read's going to come open. And instead of acting on it, you see his feet kind of patter in place for a beat or two beats or a half a beat. And then when he decides to throw it, the, the window's closed. Mm-hmm. And Kaiser, if you watch the Stanford game from this past year, you see some examples of that and, and other games as well. But there's a very good one where Meeks returns a pick six where if Kaiser had not weighted that extra two little beats. And it really is. They're, they're small beats. They really are. But, and, and, and this is kind of a nuanced thing, but you can kind of see it with his motion when you get the reverse angle where like when he sees it, you see him process it. You see him kind of dip his shoulder, his left shoulder a little bit, and then the motion starts. And so when those plays, it doesn't work out. You're like, man, I wish, again, like you just said, those two beats had not been there because the play absolutely would, would have been successful if the pass was accurate and on target. Exactly. I was a musician in a previous life. And when you perform, there's a lot of elements of being a musician and quarterbacking that are very similar. And I've, I've had these conversations with quarterback coaches, and we we, we enjoy the, the be able to make these cross comparisons. But it's you think about it this way, you may think, oh, well, what's the big deal of that slight little hesitation if you've got a great arm or, right. you know, whatever. Well, it doesn't matter if you're a musician with a great sound and great technique, but your rhythm's off and you're supposed to play something, you know, the melody has a very identifiable rhythm to it and you know this song inside out and you come in late and you wreck the band in terms <laughs> of what's playing because of that, everybody in the audience is going to discern that. Now, you may not have discerned why he came in late or what happened or when he was supposed to come in, but you might discern that something was off. And I think that that's the same thing with quarterbacking is that you, everything's tied to a rhythm, and, and some of it is based with the footwork. They try to help that with the footwork. Sometimes it's based on other things, on what you're reading and seeing. But if a quarterback doesn't have the confidence to say, I see what I'm supposed to see, and I need to let it go now. I don't need to hesitate. Am I sure that that's going to happen? I don't, I don't know. Maybe I should wait just another step. Right. It has to be seamless, completely seamless. 
And that's who the when you see the best quarterbacks in the NFL, they stick that foot in the ground and the ball is out, mm-hmm. even when they make that mistake. But you know, when they don't and they hesitate, there's a very logical reason when you look back at the tape for why they waited, and it's usually waiting because the window closed again and or they had pressure come and they're waiting for the next window to come and now they've got to you know buy some time a little bit even if it's a patter of the feet but when you watch Brady in rhythm and you watch him plant that foot and the ball is out it's one of the most confident things that you will see on a football field and that's that's from preparation and years and years of experience and understanding what you see and it being second nature and that's what quarterbacks aspire to do you have an answer for why his 2015 season and 2016 seasons were so different, at least from the outside and looking at it from a wins perspective, a numerical standpoint, whatever, um, other than, and I mean, this is the answer I keep going back to, how much worse Notre Dame's roster was this season? Yeah, I mean, I think that you have to understand that that is a factor. Right. I mean, it's a huge factor with 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 the player, and I'll defend your point with that because – you know, we talk about how horrible Jared Goff is, at, you know, at, with the Rams. But, you know, one of the things that I, you know, I know that our buddy Justin, Justice Mosquito, who is a terrific analyst, and we all know him from Force Players, he was talking about Goff, you know, on, the, uh, on Twitter last weekend, I think, and showing tape of him with the Rams and how bad, you know, the decisions he made and things like that. But it goes back to what are you learning that's new and how's your surrounding talent mm-hmm. and, what what are you being forced to deal with that maybe you would have dealt with better if you were at Cal, but now that you're having to sublimate all your best qualities to try and learn the basics in a, of a new system, then you're starting from scratch. Your the surrounding talent can hurt you. Well, if you lose enough surrounding talent, you know we've seen in the NFL people predict the demise of quarterbacks, you know earlier than expected. You know, Carson Palmer was done when he was in Cincinnati before he even went to Oakland, mm-hmm. you know. And then, you know, he didn't have a great year last year, but he, he certainly was good the year before. I mean, so we look at players and sometimes we write them off and don't understand that, you know, as much as responsibility is put on the quarterback position, if your surrounding talent is really lacking um, or really hurting you, it's going to have an impact. And I, I still look at the, the things that he was supposed to do because when you study players, you're looking at traits and you're looking at things that really, while the end result would be nice, you're looking at the process. And how's his process regardless of the results of the play? Right. And I still see a lot of good process from his 2016 tape. Um, for a guy like Deshaun Kaiser, we have 2015 versus 2016. Same thing with Deshaun Watson. Same thing with Leonard Fournette. I could go on and on with a lot of these prospects. Miles Garrett is one. With Mitch Trubisky, we only have one season. And really, it's not even, what, was it 13 games they played this year? It's really just 12 because there was one game you kind of have to throw away because of weather, in my opinion. Um, so it's not just the amount of passes he threw, Matt. It's the number of defensive coaches and opposing game plans he had to face against this UNC offense. This UNC offense that is a rhythm offense. So in your opinion, does he work well when the offense is not in rhythm, when he's forced to hold the ball longer than he's expected to and even pressured in a confined space? He, he's a complete wild card in that area because he has areas of very much boom-bust um, outcomes in that range. To me, he reminds me a lot of like Bortles in that respect um, because – 
when he when he can, can dictate the terms of buying time um, a little bit more, and he has a wider pocket to work from, mm-hmm. I think he's a better pass. He's better when he's able to escape and throw the ball. Um, he has all the physical tools to do it, but I'm concerned that he doesn't read the field as well as he needs to. I don't think he sees the underneath coverage as well as he needs to at times. Um, I also think that he tends to get that hero mentality that younger players tend to tend to who have the arm and athletic ability where, well, I bought time for this long. I'm not throwing the ball away. Um, or I have a check down here. I have an easy, I have an easy five yards right here. And I don't, I'm not really in trouble yet. So why take that five yard check down when I think that this 15, 20 yard play may develop. And then he ends up, um, running for two yards or getting sacked and losing yards or throwing the interception. And, and I think that his maturity with making decisions is lacking right now. And it's the difference that I think physically he has the skills to be one of the top guys in this class. And he still is one of the better prospects for sure. But I think the the reason where I have him, where I do, and where I think some people may have him at the top, and I don't, is is that maturity. It's 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 not there, and I think it's in areas that may be difficult for him to undo, and he's going to have to be on a strong team for him to not, for them to kind of mask those, mask that issue mm-hmm. enough where he doesn't have to do it a lot. Um, I just realized that all four of these quarterbacks are quite mobile. Like I, I would argue that Deshaun Kaiser and Mitch Trubisky, in terms of using their feet, are I'm not going to say underrated, but maybe underappreciated. Like we've seen Kaiser reel off a number of long runs, 30, 40 yard runs, 20 yard runs. Trubisky has some nice athleticism to him as well. And we all know about Deshaun Watson. Um, I, I can't remember a class where kind of all four of the top or all three of the top or whatever you want to say kind of has this have this added mobility to their game. I'm not going to say it's it's a threat necessarily in all their cases, but they can certainly make things happen when everyone drops and there's certainly open area in front of them. Yes, and I think the best way to dis, to kind of delineate the difference between a guy who is a superstar runner and a guy who's simply a good threat as a runner is could you imagine a team putting a spy on any of these players? And hmm. my answer would be no. Right. Um, I would say, but at the same time, if you leave a crease open and you are, and there's not a, and the zone overreacts and there's a big opening, these guys are going to gash you. They have that ability, but they're not the type of player that it's like, we have to take one of our players and just leave him in the pot, you know, behind the line and just wait to see what happens. And I would say, most often the answer is no. I think Watson's ability to run is a little overrated compared to what people, the comparisons that people make with him. Kaiser's, I agree. He and Trubisky's, I think, are underrated. And I think Mahomes is really a guy who, who just moves around extremely well in the pocket, but he's not a, to me, he's not a, he's not a running threat, right. um, in com- even as well as, as good as those other three. And, and I'm not going to compare their athleticism similarly because I don't think Kaiser will, will test as well as this guy. But to me, their kind of uh, mobility and, and the style that they run with, I think Kaiser is very similar to Andrew Luck in that, in that area. Um, That's my comp, too. There we go. And we didn't even talk yeah. about that. Um, I wanted to end on this because I saw you tweet about this earlier, Matt. 
you said in this quarterback class there are more players than there are prospects. And specifically, you brought up Chad Kelly's name, who you seem to be quite intrigued by. Um, Chad Kelly right now is in the news because he had his offer rescinded from the NFL Combine. Um, He went down to the Senior Bowl, but obviously could not play because of an injury. Um, I guess give me your thoughts on Chad Kelly since you are interested in him, but also maybe a little bit what you mean by that player over prospect. Yeah, we were having that discussion this afternoon with Chris Brown of Smart Football, and Chris made – Chris made a statement about that and in in some regards as well. And I, and I really love how he described that because a prospect to me is the draft game. It's not, it's not just talent. It's about character. It's about the team's willingness to um, invest in the early rounds for a player. You're playing the draft game and there's a lot of machinations to that, that, that are about risk management, risk reward, and public opinion, and 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 even and talent is a part of that, and a very important part of it. But it's not everything. Whereas um, players, who's a good player, that's what I like to do with the pre-draft RSP. Is I like to do rankings based on who's a good player, not where they wind up, not what their off-field is, not any of that stuff. That's why guys like Spencer Ware end up high on my list because then I find out from scouts later on, oh, a lot of people liked him, um, but they were scared of um, him off the field. And he had made some major changes in his life during his first two years. Um, and, you know, he had, a D, he had a couple of DWI arrests and then made some real changes in his life. And that's why he's with the Chiefs and he's played well. Or Isaiah Crowell, guy who was one of my top, he was my top rated back that year. That year and yeah. I said, he's not going to get drafted. Right. But he's the most talented player in this draft. So when I talk, when going back to Chad Kelly, Chad Kelly is one of those players. He, you know, whatever you think about him off the field, whatever we really know about him off the field, certainly when Bill Pullian says he has major baggage, he's talking from the standpoint of what teams look for for a high round investment at quarterback. On top of that, um, you know, I was I was told by Mark Schofield over at I at inside the pylon find quarterback evaluator on the internet as well, showed me something from a presentation that Hugh Freeze said that said that Chad Kelly um, has ADD. Um, and so they had to adjust their, and it was pretty severe, and they had to adjust their playbook to him. But he also said that Chad Kelly is a baller. And, you know, once they figured out how to have the common working lingo that would work well for him to understand quickly, you know, it was great. And, and when I watched Chad Kelly play, I, honestly, um, I'll say this, I'll just give you this as a way. I mean, Chad Kelly, from my pre-draft standpoint, will be one of my top three quarterbacks wow. in, talent, in terms of talent. I agree with Bill Polian 100%. I think he's one of the most talented quarterbacks in this class. On the field, he is a joy to watch. I think that in the pocket, he moves like an NFL veteran of like three to four years. I think sometimes he even looks a little bored out there <laughs> doing some of the things that he does. I his ability to move, reset, and fire, to create, and to to and the confidence to hit some of the throws he makes downfield. Um, some people say that his back shoulder fades or his fade routes are horrible. I've seen him; they could be a little higher, you know. But when I look at what he does overall in his game, um, I think he's. <laughs> I, I look at him; and I go, "That guy is a baller. He is a total baller on the field. He reminds me of Brett Favre." in terms of the way Brett Favre 
um, moved around and threw the football and the confidence in which Eddie played, the reckless style. He is much quicker. Talking about guys who can move, yeah. he's much quicker and faster than you would expect, too. That's a guy who, if anything, he's a, he plays a little bit on the edge, a little too much on the edge maybe at times, but I like that he plays with an edge. He's a tough, physical, smart football player, and if he was, if his off-field life can be um, – you know, a little less like his on-field life, I think that you'll have something great there. Um, But I don't know if that's going to happen. So, you know, again, will he go drafted? I don't know. Maybe it's in the later rounds. I don't expect him to. Um, I don't expect him, because of what happened, to develop into a great starting quarterback in the NFL because the odds are stacked against him in this environment with the way everyone's very PR-focused and conscious about what happens off the field. Um, but if you put him in a, if you put him on a team and things work out um, in terms of he stays, he matures as a human being off the field and he plays injury free to the level that he has at Ole Miss. I, there's, I would say there's one quarterback I might consider over him. Well, I'm going to end it there. Cause that was awesome. Um, Matt, you're the man. And for everyone else out there, um, If you liked any of this, be sure, and I can't say this enough, be sure to check out Matt's work on YouTube and obviously on his site, The Rookie Scouting Portfolio. Um, On YouTube, I mean, Matt, I'll be honest. I don't find myself with a lot of time to read and and look at other people's work very often unless it's just rankings and I'm blurbing that type of stuff, right? Um, Just because I like to have my own opinion. I'm confident in my own abilities, right? And I don't want to be clouded because I'm a human and bias comes in and and experience comes in and all that kind of stuff. Um, But I I do seek out a lot of Matt's work on YouTube. Um, He has longer videos where he goes in multiple plays and full games on prospects that range from 30 to 40 minutes. Then he has bite-sized ones that are two or three minutes long. Matt, I just watched one on Isaiah Ford the other day um, where it was a double move and you talked about you know, his hand, his eyes over his feet and, and the way he moved and set up the corner and, and how the play could have been better attacking the ball and how the corner came back and, and, and had great ball skills, things like that, right? It's, it, it was a really, really nice little synopsis that's, again, two minutes long. And I think it's awesome that you're doing it, Matt. You're, 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 you act differently than your age. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, you're, I you're hip with it in much. terms of the technology. I- you know, that, that may be the, the, as my daughter, who is your age, would say, that's probably about the only thing that I'm hip with at this stage <laughs> in my life. And that's okay. But um, I'm, I'm glad it counts there. And it's an honor. I'm glad that you, I'm, I'm glad that you seek out the work that I do um, in that regard. And you can find my work at the RSP Film Room on YouTube and subscribe there. If you're interested in checking some of these things out, we're going to keep getting better at it. Because, yep. you know, I got these younger guys who were showing how to diagram stuff. And I'm pretty much about ready to do some of that stuff, too. So it should be fun. And once again, the Rookie Scouting Portfolio, the RSP, this year's iteration comes out April 1st, correct? April 1st? Every year. Every year on the dot. Matt, I appreciate it once again. Um, I love this each year, and and 40 minutes flies by whenever I talk with you. So um, if not, towards the end of the draft process, I'm looking forward to next year's already. Oh, man, awesome. Thanks again for having me, Josh. It's always fun. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.